behind the shade. I have my friend here, Mark. And Mark, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself and let them know who you are. Well, my name is Mark Anthony Rains. I live in a place called Holsby, Devon. Probably most people in America have probably never heard of Holsby. Because it's like, if you imagine England as an old man carrying a pig to market, we're at the trotter's end. So that's the best way of describing it. That's the only thing I remember from geography. That's the only thing I ever remember. Anyway, I am a podcaster, a Ghostman radio station. I'm an author on Amazon. I'm a cartoonist on Gonzo Weekly. I blog. I have um, a condition called small mild vessel disease, the brain, which we'll talk about in a moment. I suffer from paranoid um, thoughts. I used to do karate, but obviously at the moment I can't. I do my own home gym thing. I write. I I do lots of little things. I'm quite eclectic. I'm never one thing on another. I I, I like at the moment. I got into book reading at the moment. I like reading books, but doing my own audio version of books, I quite like doing that. So you mentioned that you're an author and a podcaster. So um, since you're on my podcast, how did you get into podcasting and becoming an author? Well, in podcasting was happened in December 2017. I wasn't very keen on YouTube at the time. I felt a bit uneasy about it. So I thought, what can I try that's a bit different? So I thought, I'll try podcasting. I thought, it should be fairly easy. So I looked around and I found at the, the first one I went on was a, a platform called Podbeam. I realised I could do it a fairly simple way, which I've always done every podcast I've ever done, which is for a smartphone and an Amazon Fire tablet. I've done nothing more advanced than that. That's just the way I do it. And then I progressed to another um thing called uh, Anchor FM because Podbean got a bit too expensive. Then I couldn't use Anchor FM for some reason. It, my smartphone wasn't strong enough to connect to it. So I'm now on Red Circle Podcasts where basically I'm the promoter, producer, presenter, everything, you know, advertiser, the works. But I like that way because it makes me put the effort in. First wrote book of a friend of mine called S. Rob, and we wrote a book. He was into a cult. I was into martial arts. So we wrote a book called Cartoon Occult Martial Arts. So it's out there on Amazon. So we, I sort of collaborated with him. Got the bug bug for writing. I thought, oh, give it a go. So I've written um, a few, like, horror come comedy. I wrote a, a book about time travel. I've written a children's story. I've even put a book of my cartoons out there. And basically, I just like writing because it's a good outlet. I mean, my books are full of spelling mistakes and grammar is not everywhere. I, I admit that, but I, I just leave it as it is. It's just like how I do things. I can't be bothered to make it perfect. I, my, my theory is you are what you are and people should see you that way. That's right. And you know what? I agree with that because I think sometimes a lot of us, we put on this... Um, this persona we put on this image that maybe not it may not be necessarily who we are because externally we can always paint the outside of us but as the more we let people come closer in as soon as you let people come in they're going to see the real you so to your points it's best to just be who we are all the time 
And also, if you try to be something you're not, people can see through you quite quickly. I used to work in mental health. And if you wasn't who you were with the patients or clients, where the word is now, they would see right through you completely. And they would they would they would make no effort with you. If you was real with them, if you couldn't do something, if you just blankly said, look, I can't do this now, but in five minutes I will come back. And he came back to me and went, oh, you should appreciate that. You meant kept your word. How was that experience working in mental health? Um, because I know I, I've spoken to a few people in the field and they say it's it's like it's something interesting each and every day because you're helping people and you're helping people in different ways. How was your experience working within the mental health industry? Well, I see it this way. People got this perceived idea that all mental people are mad all the time. They, they think they're tw mad 24-7. Now, if they actually spent time with these people, they realize that they have moments of lucidness or whatever you like to call it. Because, I mean, yeah, one man's madness is another man's sanity. But anyway, they have moments of lunacy, uh, uh, being lucid. And you can have a real full-on conversation, like about perception of time or the history of something. And they, you would have about a three-hour debate because I used to work nights, so I used to work, have debates with them. And the next moment, they'd be talking to the cat, blaming it as a, as a devil. So you had to accept that one minute they'll be not all right, and the next minute they wouldn't be. But I think that's where the misconceptions come from. Do you think that part of that misconception is because when someone is identified as having mental health issues, right? Let's say the mental health is weakening to the point where they're having a, an episode. Do you think that some of that misconception is because when we see that as a society, that's what we remember about that person and then they get labeled as such? I think it's how the media portray the mental illness in soaps and the radio and the films. They all of portray them two ways. They're very at the highest manic or normally they're deranged serial killers. Where most people mental health are not saying this is kosher but 98 percent would not harm you they might get verbally aggressive to you they might say they're going to do something most of them won't what do you think we can do to help um change that perception of those who are going through a situation like that i think we've got to talk about mental health more i think we got i mean i tried to talk about my own illness as such you know i think it's important to get the message out there that everybody at some point even if they don't realize it has had some kind of mental issue whether it's a small one or major league one and they have to accept they've had that weakness and then they may have some empathy towards the next person and then they might talk to them people mental health issues where lots of layers of clothes and that clothes represents them back keeping you away from them and do you think that is their way of dealing with the possible judgment of others? That's why they keep people at a distance by wearing these different layers, saying that, you know what, this is going to be my protection from you. Do you think that's what their state of mind is? Yes, I think so, because I think times are changing a bit more now. The more younger generation are coming into mental health, know their rights more, you know, what to expect more. But because the old a lot, it was basically some of them, I, ha I have heard these horror stories, so I can more or less testify they're true, 
were left alone in their buildings to fend for themselves. They were their own police, their own staff, because the staff just didn't want to know them. They just left them alone. So that's why they got they get very possessive about food. Food is like food and cigarettes is the main thing in care homes. You would rather go without cigarette um, drugs for a week than cigarettes for a week. I know that sounds odd, but with that they they, they would fight quite badly over food and cigarettes. So witnessing this and having your experience working in this industry, when you suffered what you suffered, was there a fear of you saying that, you know what, I'm going through this blood vessel, this brain vessel issue. I've seen the other side. Was there ever a fear of saying that, you know what, am I going to be treated this way? And if so, what am I going to do? And were you prepared to deal with the life going through what you're going through right now? Uh, I initially wasn't. I mean, I'll take one instance. I had to go to a, a funeral, my mum's funeral, and I, my wife told my brother-in-law to look after me because uh, my memory problems and all that. And he just treated me like a kid. I hated every second of it. Um, and I got really angry inside, but I didn't say nothing, but I was getting really angry at it. And I thought, why, the reason why I'm getting angry is because I thought, why well, I would never treat, I've learned from my, obviously because of I, my background, I suppose I learned not to treat people that way. I think that's a very important message to get out there to people. Just because someone has a problem doesn't mean they're not intelligent. They have an intelligence. They just get into that level of intelligence. It may not be showing, but they, oh, everybody, I hate the word that people say, oh, they're stupid. They're not, no one's stupid. It's just that you've got to find what they're good at. And for those who, who don't know, what is it that you've been um, diagnosed with? I've got, uh, been diagnosed with small vessel disease of the brain, which affects your cognitive skills like speech, memory, uh, lots of weird and wonderful uh, things and they may think I may be suffering a form of epilepsy with it because sometimes I blank out two weeks ago I had a major movements and a couple of days ago my leg was moving like no tomorrow I just couldn't stop it so they haven't been able to make tests at the moment obviously because of covid which that's fair enough covid's got to come first but when covid is hopefully controlled I can go and have some tests when you were told of this news, what was your state of mind at that point? Confused and scared. Because I had to look it up because uh, um, a lot of doctors over here, I'm not so sure in America, I think it's well known in America, but a lot of doctors over here don't even know what it is. They just think it's a form of dementia. It's not dementia because it's, a, it's lots of bits of everything. It can mean different things to different people. It can affect you in different ways. Because it's attacking the little grey cells in your brain, as the Belgian detective you would say. Perot, that was it. Um, he would say about your little brain grey cells. Because it attacks certain parts of them, you don't know which part it's doing the most. Because I did have a period where my speech was affected a bit, so they thought I had a stroke, but apparently I didn't. I have problems with um, certain words I hear and I hear them differently to what you might say and oh, I write a word I think I've written it right but it's totally a different word 
and uh, and I get confused about times and things. That's why I like routines. I've got OCD anyway, so that doesn't help. But it, it, I like to things as they are. If things change a lot, I get very frustrated with it. And also, as I mentioned before, I suffer a bit from paranoid thoughts, and that gets worse if I let it control me. Obviously, with COVID, it's not easy to have paranoid thoughts. I, I've got the stage now. I'm not listening to the negative anymore because it's just the same old questions. I'm just trying to listen to the facts and ignoring the negativity. They may be burying my head a bit like an ostrich, but hey, it works for me. I can imagine because I look at some of the things that I do and I need to have all my, my faculties around me, right? I need to be very strong on a mental, and my mental capacity needs to be very strong. And I try to put myself in your shoes, even though I don't even come close to understand what you're going through. And that's why I appreciate the conversation today. I'm looking at it, I'm like, if I were to wake up one day being told that this is what I have, I would feel like how you feel. I would feel confused. I would feel um, scared. And I think a part of me will feel a little bit, at least in the short term, powerless, meaning that was there something that I could have done to maybe prevent this? Is that something else that you may have felt at that time? I did because my dad um, had um, early dementia, uh, signs of dementia before he got ill because he had prostate cancer was treated far too late because of his illness. And my mum, God bless her, did experience that he did get a little bit more violent towards her during the end. Not like too bad, but she didn't ever mention it, but I could sense it was happening by the way she spoke about him. And she didn't want him at home and didn't feel uneasy. I thought, well, obviously he's got a bit more. But that wasn't his fault. I'm not blaming him. Because what people don't realise is that little switch you have in your body that says, don't do that. When you get dementia or an illness of that any kind, sometimes that little switch isn't there to tell you not to do that thing. You know, when you feel angry, you, you can stop yourself. You can go, oh, I mustn't do that. I mustn't. I'm, yeah, I'll go like away. That, that second thought where you're like, you know what? Maybe if I did this, it would be incorrect. Like, yeah, you have that that moment in your mind where it tells you, I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, and sometimes that isn't there. So I, what I do, I how I cope, I, li I live most of my days day to day. I don't plan too much ahead unless I have something. I, I get a, I've got a board where I've got, oh, podcast today with you at da da da. Oh, tomorrow, uh, next week I've got one at Wednesday, I've got one at Thursday. And that's how I live my life. I know it's not for everybody, but I have to have it planned more or less because that's how I cope. And I, I find if I try to keep it myself level, I'm okay. I'm not always level. I mean, when I get really bad paranoid thoughts, I get very, very verbally aggressive. I mean, off the scale, verbally aggressive. And get a bit nasty with it. And it's not nice for me to do it. I mean, I've lost it in front of someone we didn't even know. I mean, it's all right losing. It's not really all right losing in front of family. But they seem to understand more. They accept it more. But when you lose it in front of a stranger, I think that's when I had the wake-up call. I thought, oh, shit. Oh, I nearly swore then. Sorry. And, and, and uh, uh, I thought, 
oh, oh, I really am scary when I get like this. You know, you, you know you are, but you know, you, you, as you know, your family will put up with more than a complete stranger will. You planning out your day, I think a lot of people probably can learn to do that as well. Um, there isn't anything wrong with, with planning out. And that's amazing that you're, that you're able to, you know, you, you plan out your day and you make sure, right? Is there any other ways that um, you cope like day to day? Like, do you have a, like a support system well, around you that's pretty strong? I have my wife and my stepson, they're very supportive. And obviously going out the walk, walks with my dog, daily that helps it just releases you if um helps and i do weights and it's a good way of getting rid of regression you do you know if you feel upset with anything i've just got the weights and throw them around and i write and normally if i get upset someone with i write it's a good way of writing a good horror story because if i if i've upset with them i'll put them in the story but not directly but an indirect reference i thought yeah that'll get you <laughs> and when you put them in a story, how many, what happens to them? <laughs> I normally kill them. I normally <laughs> kill them in some horrible graphic way or some comical graphic way. I just, I just, I just, I, I don't literally kill them, but it's a good way of getting rid of that negative thought in your head. If I'm, if, if one of your stories, hopefully I can make it towards the end at least before. Well, you'll be all right. Yeah, you'll, you'll make it to the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll make sure <laughs> So what does the future hold for, for Mark? Like, so what's what's your plan going forward now that you know what, this is my situation. What do you plan to do going forward? Well, at the moment, I'm planning just to keep developing my podcast. I'm trying out different ideas all the time. I'm, I do a bit of horror hosting. I like to do horror hosting. I like doing um, public domain horror stories that most people may have not heard of. And although they're old, I think they should be out there because... They're just old creepy stories, you know. I just like doing them. I like to write now and again when I feel the mood to write them. I do a regular cartoon for my friend on his uh, magazine, which he lets me do. And I uh, basically try to develop new skills. I mean, I think you've got to. My theory is if you try something and it fails, it fails. But at least you tried it. If you can't go back, I mean, some time ago, I entered a um, Qatar Karate Online competition. I got silver medal. There's only two of us, but at least I, if it hadn't entered, I wouldn't have got the silver medal. But I just look at the fact, at least I did it. You know, some people would have gone, oh, well, what should I bother? But my argument is out there, have a go. You've got absolutely nothing to lose. You've only got your, it only falls back on you. But at least if someone says, Oh, well, you can say, ah, but I tried it. Have you? Did you always have that mentality where it's like, you know what? Give it your all, try, because that's better than not trying and just sitting around waiting for something to happen. Did you always have that mindset? No, I didn't. I will admit that. I mean, when I was young, I was act um, unfortunately with a, a young girl of the same age. We were kept in the same classroom, which probably wouldn't be allowed nowadays. We was put back a year, so basically, always for my whole life, I felt that I was always behind people. I felt different. I felt I was uh, being treated different. So probably that's what fed the paranoid thoughts if I look at it properly. And I think I had that mindset for a long time. Then I realised through just taking the chance of my podcast, I just thought I'll have a go. 
I realised that, oh, people actually like me, listening to me. You know, I mean, I'm not worried about the thousands of, you know, like people say, oh, I got 5,000 people. I thought, well, that's great. You know, I, I, I've had, what was it? Podbeam, I had 20,000 yeah, 20, downloads when I left. Anchor was about 60,000 downloads when I left. On Altio, Audio Mac, I'm on 45,000 downloads. And on Red Circle Podcast, I'm on now, I'm up to nearly 5,000 downloads. Perfect. That's, that's beautiful accomplishments because it seems like you're putting yourself into your art, right? Like how much of, how much of you, how much of Mark is in everything that you do when it comes to your writing, your podcast? Like how much of yourself do you put into that? I think if you listen to it properly, you'll probably realize it's probably 90% of myself. I don't, I think we all put a mask on, you know what I mean? We put a mask on with different people to other people. Obviously, we do. It's a natural thing we do. It's as human beings, it's a natural thing we do. But I, I like to be me because I've learned, as I said, from experience, if people don't like you, they don't like you, it's nothing to do. Nothing to do with the colour of your skin or the who you are, what you are, rich, poor, whatever. If they're not going to like you, they're just not going to like you. It's just one of that's just life. And do you think that um, we spend too much time wanting people to like us? And here, and this is why I'll ask you this question. I think through life, as we grow up, right, we're we're seeking the approval from our parents, and then when we get into school, we're seeking the approval from our teachers and our classmates. It doesn't seem like there's ever a period of time that we stop and say that, you know what, maybe I don't need all these people to like me as long as they respect me and maybe even appreciate me. You think we confuse the two sometimes? Yes, I think more now in society than before, because unfortunately, with the bad side of the Internet and there's loads of good things, I honestly believe the Internet is a power for good. But the bad side is because we all we all like to share. It's something we all do. It's a it's a human need. If he's on an island somewhere, we'll be the we'll be the Tom Hanks character trying to find that balloon to talk to it or the coconut. We'd do anything just to make sure we had some form of communication. So we tell the world things, and then we wonder why we get a reaction and thinking, "Well, why they said that?" And you thinking, "Well, you just told them that. <laughs> what do you expect them to do?" And I think. The younger generation don't realise that when they write something on the social media, they may think it sounds funny to write it. But if you don't see the person in front of you telling you something or making a joke about something that you know is a joke, but someone else can take that word or that expression the wrong way, You know what I mean? They can say certain things that people say, oh, you shouldn't be saying that. You think, well, I didn't mean it that way. He knows I don't mean it that way. But you may know that. I may know that. But the followers you got are going to suddenly, oh, you shouldn't be saying this about that. You shouldn't be saying it. You know what I mean? You probably had the yeah. same problem yourself where you said something as a joke and somebody's taken it completely the wrong way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like they'll take it in a way that wasn't intended. Um, and I think sometimes that's the confusion because once that happens, it's like neither side can see the other person's perspective anymore, right? Because now emotions are involved. Do you think that's happening with the political situations at the moment? I, I think it's happening over here 
It was happening over here with the Brexit situation, but I think it's sort of fizzled out there now. We had the, obviously, the COVID doubters, but obviously they, they've got too much time on their hand. If anyone can't believe COVID doesn't exist now, well, they're just an idiot. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I, I shouldn't judge people, but... Yeah. But do you think that the, there is different... I, I, I mean, we can only see the recent events in America where they stormed the um, legal buildings over there. Yeah, now, obviously, yeah. most of the people were whites. I mean, do you think if it had been a more black or coloured or whichever way expression you like to say, because I'm never too sure what to say, do you think they would have been a different reaction? Because I don't know, I don't live over there. Um, I'm in Canada, not in the States as well, but my opinion would be this. I think... Um, based on the information I had now, like obviously when I first saw it, um, sometimes your reaction is like, well, if it was a different group of people, maybe they would have been treated differently. And maybe they would have been, maybe they wouldn't have been, right? What I would say is that based on the information now that has come out, um, a lot of those people there were, um, from what they're saying, I don't know if it's 100% true, but they're saying that there were lawyers, there were CEOs, there were um, off-duty cops, some of them, um, auxiliary. So this is not your typical i guess um lower middle middle america regardless of this color of their skin right it's not a group of people that are on the lower end of the totem pole it's a group of people that's a little bit higher up so it would have been different just because you have people that are there's more people on the edge these days than ever there's more people who are on the brink of being triggered than ever one is because of the job loss two is because of the pandemic three is because of what they see on the tv right the media shaped it in a way that it was going to touch people emotionally right like if you saw the pictures and the videos it was done in a in an interesting way right um so i think what should have happened is there should be some consistency in how they treat people i think there should be some honesty and how they treat people because this is this isn't just your regular building this is capitol hill right there should have been more of a safeguard because now we have a number of officers injured as a result right so the way they deal with it in the aftermath will show that if it was any group of people would they have been treated differently that's how i'm gonna that's my take on the situation I don't know the whole truth because I don't live there. If I don't live there, I try not to judge it. I mean, obviously, it's horrible. It should be done for treason in my mind, but that's just my personal opinion. But I think that's what told. they're going to do. I, I think they're going to charge them with insurrection um, because just because of, of what exactly has happened, right? Like, there's so many crimes that were committed when they entered that building. So I think that's probably what's going to happen. I'm never going to say it wouldn't happen over here. I wouldn't dare say that, but it, it, I think it, it's all down. The people always say about cultural differences. We like the, the liberty versus the being in control. It's always this constant battle. There always is going to be a constant battle, but I think in places like us and probably over there in the States, you have the same problem. You have this, the people that want to be free to be able to do what they want. But obviously, because of COVID, they have to. We have to have a sort of stay away from each other a little bit more. 
Yeah, you definitely want some form of control. You don't want everyone and anyone to be running amok. But I think um, the balance is what's being tested in 2020 and what's going to be tested going forward, right? Like how much freedom do you give? How much do you take away? How much control do you impose? How much control don't you impose, right? And I think that's the balance. And I think what has happened, um, because in Canada where I am, they've instituted or installed some level of control, but then we discover that they're breaking their own rules, which is now creating a different set of problems because now you have more and more people saying that I'm doing this, I'm doing my part, but you're not doing your part. So when you say that we're in this together, where's the we? I, I have suffered this, this, this. What have you suffered? Do you think, I mean, basically it just breaks down to three or four fairly simple rules, really. I mean, wear a mask where possible, wash your hands, social distance, open a window, and basically stay in when you can. I mean, it's not rocket science, but it tends to be rocket science. It's interesting, right? it's, It's rules, if you really think about it, right? I had this conversation with one of my friends. I was like, if you really think about it, these are things that we should have been doing already, right? You would assume that everyone was washing, excluding the mask part, right? You would assume that everyone's washing their hands. Um, you're always taught to keep your distance from people. Granted, they didn't come up with an actual number, but I think for the most part, we weren't walking hip to hip with someone unless we were in love with that person, right? So it's like, it's a, it's now that we're being told to do it, now it's like, wait a minute. Maybe I don't want to do this. And I think that's what some people are struggling with, especially when, if I were to tell you, Mark, you know what, Mark? Every day before bed, you brush your teeth. And then you find out as you're doing it, week one, week two, for a month, you find out that, wait a minute, Shireen's not brushing his teeth, so why should I? I think that's the problem we're facing here in Canada. And I think that's what um, a number of people are feeling that you're telling me to do this. I'm trying my best to do my part, but you're not you're not following the rules and i think that's the argument these days but you're right there's some people that don't believe it's real there's some people that will um turn their nose to some of the the rules and so i do understand both sides well yeah i try to look at both arguments but i've i've just been watching a, 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 a i know this is unrelated but it's sort of related i've just been watching a documentary on netflix about flat earthers and how they believe about the flat earth and they go along with the theories and about the domes and how the planes and all that. I think, yes, they've got some very convincing arguments if you look at it from one side of view. And I think this is what's happening with Facebook and Twitter and the media. I mean, we've even got adverts over here for holidays. Now, no one said that holidays are going to happen. No one said, oh, you can go back to having a holiday now. Because at the moment... Because uh, the variant, new variant more or less started over here, as far as we know. I would presume most countries are going to go, Leave from England, yeah, bye, see you later. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you um, continue your, your day-to-day now with everything that's, that's going on around you? And especially as what you're experiencing on a personal health level. Well, what we basically do, we, we are sort of, so, we've been self, sort of semi-self-isolated for years because my wife, unfortunately can't walk very well so she's more or less bedridden although she gets more a lot of people coming to see her she's not totally on her own so don't 
yeah, yeah. He sees more people than I do sometimes. But um, we've always had a. We've never been people who've gone out a great deal anyway. Well, most people call us antisocial, but that's that to them. But we, I've, I've never been a person to go out a lot unless I was going to karate or uh, go to the gym or go shopping or go out with the dog. That's all I ever went out for. I, I, I went to the pub and all that when I was younger. I never really liked it back then. So, and I can't drink anyway now because of uh, certain medications. So it's pointless. Would have been pointless to go out anyway. Do you um? Do you notice that there's a difference between how you're living now versus before? And is there anything that you maybe miss that you were able to do before you found out you were diagnosed? I think the only thing I really miss is I I really had a think about it, and the main thing I miss is going down the gym. I know that sounds sad, but I like to push myself. I mean, you can get weights at home, and I'm not saying you can't, but it's just that feeling that you're in there thinking. Oh, I can just take it up that five degrees more, that five pounds extra today. I'm going to really push myself. You know, like you do. It's a competition with yourself. Because mm-hmm. I, I think with all exercise, everything you deal with your your uh, your life is this comes first, that comes second. And if neither one of them in condition, everything gets affected. That's not a science thing. It's just what I found. What was your favorite workout when you used to go to the gym? I used to like um, uh, bar, barbell curls, and oh, I cool. I I, um, I used a lot of uh, the obviously equipment, but I used to do weights before when I did them back in the eighties. I actually did my weights when I was in a bit of trouble with uh, being on probation. I used to go to the gym and I didn't turn up to that, so I got told off a bit two times. Uh, but I used to love it. I used to enjoy it because it was just a good way of getting rid of aggression. Absolutely. And you know what? And that's what I found as well. Like sometimes um, what I do miss is that going to the gym after work, I found that as soon as I would go home after work, change into my my gym clothes, going to the gym, I always felt I had the best workout because all the stresses and all the difficult conversations of my job, I was able to get out through the weights, through weightlifting, through the machines. So it was definitely a really good outlet for me. I totally understand where you're coming from. And obviously, because now we're in the way we are, you cannot get hold of weights because they won't deliver them because it's too hard. I mean, I was lucky to get hold of some that, you know, it's, but I, I just like doing it. My wife moans a bit, but I just say to her, look, well, you know, it keeps me happy. I don't disturb nobody. You know, I I still push myself to a, a little bit, but not as much as I would now. But that's also age. As you get older, you tend to slow down more. Getting towards my sixties now, so. Mm-hmm. 